it's just been great to to tap into kind of what makes us all human and what makes us, us tick and tell that through a specifically black lens, a specifically black female lens. I don't think it's lost on any of us what the kind of stories that we get to tell without being censored or or filtered, you know, no one's ever no one at HBO has ever questioned the types of stories that we're telling. Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman is a podcast on directing for anybody that's quite simply ever watched anything. Pete converses with a wide range of fellow directors, writers, actors, showrunners, producers, executives, and more on a journey to determine just what makes a good director and why we'll always need stories. The Director is Pete Chapman's digital studio, built on the pillars of craftsmanship that ensure a unique vision. I'm talking about story, innovation, perspective. Learn more about The Director, and better yet, get your official director's chair wear by visiting www.drctr.video. That's drctr.video. All right, what's up, people? This is Pete Chapman, and I'm welcoming you to episode two of Let's Shoot with Pete Chapman. Uh, first off, thank you for everybody that tuned in to episode one with my good buddy Theo Travers, writer and EP on Billions. The feedback has been tremendous. I love and appreciate all of the emails and direct messages on social media, you know, phone calls even about the about what we did on that show. So that makes me feel good to kind of know that we're in a good place and people are enjoying what we're talking about. I left that episode with a little bit of a tease as to who would be our guest in episode two. And by this time, you know that it is the incomparable Issa Rae. Um, we go back at this point, I guess nine years to 2011, I had interviewed her for a previous podcast that I was involved with. And uh, I listened back to that interview and it was very enjoyable because I listened and I heard the blueprint of everything that's kind of happened in the nine years since that conversation. Um, I have great regard for Issa because I got into the DGA off of uh, Due North, which I directed in season two of Insecure. It's the show within the show that all the characters watch. And I had a slavery melodrama, very scandal-esque in Antebellum South. And I got to work with Scott Foley and Regina Hall and Michael J. White. Um, and uh, part of me thinks that helped me earn their trust at HBO to direct an episode of Insecure, which was episode 302, Familiar Like, um, which was an amazing experience. Another great thing uh, that I have to acknowledge about Issa is that she was the very first person to agree to an interview on this podcast. All it took was an email request, uh, a blurb about what we were looking to do with Let's Shoot, and she was down. So always, always a, a, a down person um, who's, you know, looking to collaborate and do dope stuff. I caught Issa on a busy day as the finale for season four of Insecure was approaching. So we hopped in on Zoom and got right down to it. I hope you'll enjoy. Roll sound. Speed. The interview. Take one. First off, congrats on all your success, Issa. You're one of those people um, that I always feel an extreme sense of pride every time I see you reach a new see you reach a new milestone because you're genuine, collaborative, supportive of other artists in their work. Um, thanks for joining today, and you're humble and 
you know, interested in elevating the culture and the people. So thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Pete. The feeling is so mutual. And you already know I've been such a fan for a very long time uh, before I started doing this. So I'm happy to talk to you always. Man, and you know, I went back and I listened to that podcast interview from 2011. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, I had to. Oh, from our, our, ours. Okay, okay, our podcast interview. It was like, I know you didn't listen to the cinema. Okay, yeah. I'm telling too much. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, this was a while back and it was like uh, right after I think you had pulled off uh, the groundbreaking Kickstarter. And what was funny, to, wow. not funny, but what was interesting to me, because I wanted to see like, it's so dope to hear you talk in 2011 and like, fucking have watched that shit happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, and so one thing that you said was, uh, you said you were a producer, but a creator first. And the question I have for you now is, who do you think of first when you create? I, I always think about my friends and family. Like, that's, that's it. I, I wonder if they'll be interested and if it'll make them laugh, if it'll resonate with them, if it's relatable. Um, and of course, me. And definitely Black people. One, are you pulling for everybody Black? I mean, I am. I can't help it. Um, with that, with that in mind too, I, I want to like do a quick pit stop. Um, cause I, it's a much, we could do 10 episodes on this, but like, how are you feeling just like personally with everything going on in the world right now? Um, where it kind of seems like for the first time, the black community is not the only community actively calling for change that is hundreds of years too late. I mean, I think you're, you're describing it best. It feels bittersweet. Um, but it also feels like none of this would have happened. Like it, it took a pandemic for this to be addressed in a way. And I was just having this conversation the other day about how black, black people are so beautiful because we're so empathetic to one another. I haven't seen the video. I don't need to see the video. Like I and I just I feel for, you know, everything that we're going through. And I I I felt an overwhelming sense of sadness, of hopelessness, of just worry and anxiety. And it's all this collective feelings. And for a very long time, white people always have an excuse not to just notice. It doesn't really, it's not confronted. Um, it's not, they don't, they're not confronted with it every day. It's not in their face every day. But during a time with everybody sitting at home, you have no choice but to kind of acknowledge it. And, and so many blinders have been open and, uh, I do appreciate those who have, you know, taken to the streets or and and genuinely want to help. And I only hope this momentum continues because there's a lot of people trying to distract us. Word, you know, I, I should I should note for when people listen to this that um, at at the point right now the finale is in a few days. So um, I will be watching Sunday, and there will be no questions about. Uh, <laughs> how uh, season four concluded, even though this will air after. But looking at the future, um, because you are a creator and you are involved in so many uh, different projects from creation, but also people are, are coming to you to elevate their roles with your acting presence. How do you envision this moment changing storytelling moving forward? 
Ooh, um, I see that people are paying more attention to the types of stories we're telling about Black people. So I hope it just widens the narrative. Um, there, there's a type of Black film that constantly gets awards attention. There's a const- there's a type of Black film that film that consistently gets greenlit. Um, and I'm hoping that we're calling attention to those stories as kind of detrimental to the perception of Black people, Blackness as a whole, uh, especially as it relates to this country. Uh, and there, there's, a, there's an erasure of a lot of stories, specifically throughout history, that I'm excited uh, and, and hope to get unearthed or to see them get unearthed. But I think that there's just going to be such a, if we do this right, there's going to be such a, a magnifying glass on the types of stories that get to be told about Black people. Yeah, I, I I trust and hope that you're right because I I was talking to man I, the first episode of the podcast I spent um, it was kind of cathartic we were just talking at length about everything and I was just like going off on a on a on a on a rant um, about the impact of all these period pieces making people think that racism is in the past. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying, like strategic. We wrapped that up in 1968, uh, based off everything I've ever watched. And, <laughs> you know, what I like about what you've done with Insecure is that you get into the nuances of Issa and her life and her friends' lives and how, like, this super particular community has informed their lives. Um, and so, you know, in speaking about the show, I, I kind of love to ask, like, what what have been some of your favorite moments along this four season journey? Some of my favorite moments. Wow. I mean, nothing to me beats the actual writer's room and being able to have so many great, fun, nuanced, uh, deep conversations with uh, the writers in the room. And that includes, you know, predominantly black people, but people of all different backgrounds, older, younger, gay, straight, you know, um, black, white, Asian, Latino. It's just been great to, to, and it's just been great to, to tap into kind of what makes us all human and what makes us, us tick and tell that through a specifically black lens, a specifically black female lens. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's lost on any of us what the kind of stories that we get to tell without being censored or, or filtered. You know, no one has ever, no one at HBO has ever questioned the types of stories that we're telling or told us to try to make it more palatable for a specific audience. It's just been allowed, I've just been allowed to just create and um, been guided to just try to tell better stories. And that's been such a blessing. And just working with great people. Like we, I really get to use the talents of so many people that I admire on, on, uh, across all, all, all areas of the production. So that's, that's been my favorite part. That's, that's dope. Here's, here's a question. Um, what, cause so for any, for folks who don't know, like the writer's room, um, and I, I really have no business explaining it cause I don't, I never run one. <laughs> <laughs> but but I have come into them for meetings and it's just full of note cards exploring um, character arcs and opportunities and conflicts and themes. And I was wondering, like, what storylines 
if you can share, like, have you wanted to explore, but for some reason didn't or couldn't? So many, because, you know, it, it is, it's a very specific story about two, you know, Black females, as you know, and then, you know, we ha- we use the Lawrence character for some male-centered storylines, but there are even stories that we wanted to tell about Black men from um, the, just the, the objective lens without story that we just, that don't necessarily fit into the season arc that we're telling or um, there's just, there's too many to list, honestly. We don't get to tell all the stories that we want, but, and I am, and I'm drawing a blanket, some that we've decided to do. And I kind of don't want to say just in case we get to decide to do it for season five. Hey, look, well, well, well done. Well preserved. <laughs> Thank you. Try to catch me slipping. Somebody will make a show about that shit. So I, I, I was, I was hesitant to ask that question. I'm gonna jump ahead, actually, because you, you, this is something I'm interested in. But we also have a director uh, audience that is gonna be listening to. You mentioned like Lawrence and how you use how he's available to explore some of those. Uh, one of many characters available to explore things from the male perspective. How do you as as creator and then collectively your team determine who is directing what episode? Because for the one I directed, like I had so much of a connection to what Daniel was going through. Like it felt like it was like written for me to do in some regards. But is that how it is that what happens? Or is it just like we know these we have interest in this kind of pool of folks and they're going to kind of get what they get based off of availability. It's well, it's, it's twofold. It's definitely like, these are the directors that we really want to work with this season. And then as we start to, and we do that before we even start writing. And then as we start to write episodes and like flesh them out rather, then we start saying, we start going by the director's body of work. Um, and we literally just say, oh man, you know, Pete would kill that one. Or, you know, Lizzo would be good for this because, you know, she has a theater background and blah, blah, blah. So it really just goes there. And I, I had no idea that you had a connection to the Daniel storyline. I know that obviously you're you're a purist in your art, but I hadn't even made that connection. It was, you know, based off of already being a fan, knowing the technical elements that were needed for that specific episode, um, seeing your body of work just in terms of... Um, even how nuanced certain elements um, of your work are. And then, of course, working with you in Due North and, and knowing that you could um, handle the the subtle comedy in many ways. So it just depends on, like, we, we really, Princess and I will just go back and forth and, and uh, assign directors and hope that they respond to the material. We haven't so far gotten anybody to be like, ah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, you know what it is? I think it's, um, and it's a, it's a creative, uh, I guess men and women deal with it in similar, or, or I'm sorry, deal with the same thing in similar, in different ways. But like, you know, when you have to go around trying to prove yourself to get something, you're so often having to, um, God, I, I, I hope I have a good adjective on the spot, but um uh, kind of minimize yourself to some degree or or you can't like like if you walk around like Kanye the one we used to like mm. and 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 then don't like execute on that you kind of there's this threat of like you can be too confident and you can be too pompous so you got to kind of put your hat in your hand and and be humble but you know you can kill it and that kind of journey of what he had to get to with um 
I, I now I'm not remembering the the uh, character's name. Uh, spider. So with Spider is like, yeah, like I gotta go talk to this young cat. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's real. It's real. <laughs> How to Succeed as a Creative Professional is Pete Chapman's upcoming book about his journey as a director. What started in 1993 has been a marathon full of persistence and creative pivots, transitioning from indie filmmaker to teaching at NYU's acclaimed film school, to running a production company, to directing television and commercials, and ultimately eyeing a return to the feature films that gave him his start. A mixture of how-to, self-help, and inspiration this book will be for any person eyeing a successful career in a creative art. How to Succeed as a Creative Professional is coming soon. Where would you say a lot of directors go wrong? And and maybe like, let's isolate that to specifically in pre-production. Oh, in pre-production, um, I think in not... Like I, I I love that directors, you know, want to stay within the the confines of the show sometimes. I, I mean I respect that, but I we hired you because you are unique and you have a specific style and we want you to bring your own element to the table. So that means I'd love for you to be involved in in costumes, to have a POV, to tell a story there. I'd love for you to like to be thinking about what story you're telling in all different facets um, because we have a team that's thinking about that. And um, I, I just love to know that there's a, that you're thinking about everything, that there's a vision that you're like, this is my ship now. Like I'm the captain now, and this is where I want to, you know, take the boat. And I, I respect that. And um, want, I, I want all the directors to succeed. Like, I want to be like, Oh shit, look at, we got a signature shot from Kerry Washington or, and it was built on our show. Like it's something that's ours or, we got to bring his style. Um, we got to bring Mo Marable's style specifically uh, to this one episode and it elevated it. So I think don't be afraid to bring your own um, stylistic elements and work with every department to to tell the best story. It's your episode. It's yours. That's dope. And and I, I will I'll I'll I'm not gonna uh, defend those directors, but it's it's a tough thing that I think can get beaten out of you um yeah i'm sure you know what i'm saying like like even in this like kind of story conversation about like um getting the diversity of our stories out there um i was actually talking to somebody at hbo about this and she was like well who do you know that does this stuff and i was like well i I do you know first off but like (laughs) but i think there's a whole i know a whole lot of people who used to do it but don't anymore because the market told them they couldn't sell that shit. And so mm-hmm. now it's like, do they still have that muscle even? Uh, you know what I mean? And so like for directors, they kind of get, uh, particularly in broadcast, I'd say, um, it's such a kind of, yeah. you know, you can fall into a rhythm of master 50-50 coverage next scene um, that they won't necessarily excel on a show like yours that's so collaborative. And is that, and those are, you're talking about visiting directors specifically, not necessarily pilot directors. Yeah, visiting directors. Like, even for myself, I still have, like, I have four ways to shoot each scene because my first way of approaching a scene is, like, 
I'm I'm on cable making some shit. And then right. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, they probably that I'll keep that in my pocket, but they probably gonna want something a little quicker. Um, but I, I'm trying to make sure I don't lose that muscle um because I got bigger, bigger targets. Um when you when you think about what it was like when you were doing Awkward Black Girl, um, to what you're doing with the iteration of the show on HBO like what what's the biggest change for you as a as a creator like the responsibilities like managing so many different things at once like what what would you kind of pinpoint as like the most market difference lots more people lots more collaboration lots more help um you know lots more money to 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 execute the vision well the awkward black girl was always like here's what's in my head here's what I can do and it's not much. So this is what I can do with, you know, the little that I have. And I don't know that many people um, who do this. I don't have the money to pay them. So I just have to get creative with what I'm doing. But ironically, during this time when I know the productions are opening up, what, today or something? But film production starts today. Yeah. Um, but I am thinking about, like, I, I could if we go back to TV and we could do it at a smaller level and on a smaller scale. Like I'm equipped to do that. Sometimes I'm like, it's too many of y'all. What what do we need all of you here for? Um, because I come from bare bones, so I, I'm very curious to see how production uh, changes out of this 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 crisis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been looking at um a bunch of the different uh idea white papers that have come out and yeah same it really feels like on one level there's like some things that are kind of going to be like wow that's like you like talking about maybe limiting takes from directors um mm. which i'm a fan of because like you like i'm like if if we on take four like what what's wrong <laughs> you know what i'm saying um but then if that uh, this was never a thing on your show, but if I've done shows where I need five takes for the actors to actually know their lines. Oh. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, like, if, if that were a thing that might be a byproduct uh, of fixing that from these new restrictions, I'd be all for it. But uh, it seems like it is going to heighten the amount of clarity from creators like you um, if you're not allowed to be on set. Like, it's not, like, I think I've heard talk about having feeds, so there's fewer bodies on set and people are watching things remotely or something like that. That's wild. And I, I even think about just the extra precautions. And if some, in some ways, maybe that will require more people. And, and then wearing masks in between scenes, which is like makeups are going to have to, makeup is going to have to constantly text you up. It just feels so tedious in a way where I'd almost rather get it. oh that's funny um well we can't have you getting (laughs) just get it over with hopefully here's um what does entrepreneurship mean to you because when i look at your body of work we've got a best-selling book we've got uh you're you're creating shows producing them writing you're also in other people's work in music videos, you own a business, you're buying real estate. Like what, how, what is, what is the importance of that to you? And what are you trying to, uh, if anything, kind of, uh, tell to other people? Uh, if anything, like entrepreneurship, the side entrepreneurship, it is entrepreneurship, 
But entrepreneurship like, <laughs> to me is um, what I love about it is the being able to create and own, and that has always been important to me. Uh, what I don't like about it is that as you grow, it kind of means you're leading, and I tend to be, you know creative first. I I like business elements, but I don't know that I love running a business. And I found that uh, that's just a different muscle. You And it's hard to do both. It's hard to be a writer, creator, um, while also try, managing people, while also trying to make good business decisions. Right. It's just those are two separate jobs. And that's something that I'm finding myself navigating. But I love... I love being my own business. Like I love being in charge of myself and creating on my, my, my own terms. Right. You know, I think what's interesting too, as I was like running off the list of those things that you're involved with it, it feels much like your the impetus for how you create stories. It's like, what are you interested in? A, a, a communal place mm-hmm. like the coffee shop, right? Or, um radio and music like music is such a key i can't tell you how many my shazam is probably full primarily of shit i've shazammed over the credits of an insecure episode you know what i mean what a high compliment that's amazing because i'm like yo this is dope and uh, i'd love to like i'm I'm gonna download this song and and then i and then i expect it to be something recent and i'm like damn i've been out the loop for four years because this song (laughs) this song is mad old um and so that's just a function of being 43 years old, I suppose. Um, but uh, who would you who would you cast in the biopic about you, which is coming probably in like 2045? Wow. Um, and who would you want to direct it and why in both regards? Wow. Um, now you're going to make me feel old because I'm like, who's the kitty town? But you know what? I'm going to say Marseille Martin because I have so much belief in her and I feel like she's going to be someone to pl- like, yeah, you can't, she's going to be a problem when she gets older. I, I feel like if she continues to have the foundation that she has and her ambition, I just feel like she's um, going to do big things. So I'd love for her to play me. Who would I want to direct it? You're going to be too busy. <laughs> you're gonna be too old Pete. you just said it right. well you know that, you're gonna be old as hell. I, I, that's why right now I'm, I'm drinking water i'm stretching i'm like i'm planning <laughs> and and quite honestly around that time i think we're gonna be like yo my leg hurt and just go get a new leg yes we're, we're gonna be like that i'm like that right now <laughs> i it's crazy but i don't know i think it's it's that's that's a hard question that is a very hard question. Yeah, that's my new that's my new question. Um for for the for the actor types and the creators cuz you have such a unique vision of like I know you often spend time uh immersed within the like the like the actual creation of the work but then also like being in a scene but then at the same time you're like watching the scene being made. So it's this kind of interesting uh dichotomy of like being in it but not while guiding it i don't know if that is even making sense no complete sense and and she's dope i've directed her on god like four blackish episodes um so let me let me let me think of like a a good 
I want to maximize like the, the final questions. Hmm. Okay, here we go. This is interesting. I love uh, epiphanies. I had a meeting on Tuesday with someone at ABC who had worked with you in the interim between the uh, success of Awkward Black Girl and then the ultimate uh, Insecure show. Um, and I know that that's like, that's the process of getting anything from script to screen. Like not everything works out. Um, you have to stay on the path. Like what is it that helped you stay focused while you grew through different deals and opportunities and, 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 and were committed to like keeping your voice? Like what, what kept you on the tracks? Hope, um, faith. But that that deal in particular, when it didn't work out, um, and I feel like I know exactly who you're talking about. I love that team over there. It's just, I didn't know what I was doing. And that was such a scary feeling because, you know, having had a web series, being able to do things on my my own terms, I, you know, we, we talk about imposter syndrome all the time, but that process made me feel like, oh shit, I'm not, maybe I'm not built for this. It's something I've wanted for such a long time, but... What if I'm just not good at it? What if I'm not good enough to transition to this platform? Um, and what does that mean for my, my the validation of my work? So for me, it was what, what kept me afloat was continuing to create stuff for the internet on the side while I was, you know, not necessarily failing, but not doing the best at pursuing uh, television and just continuing to to read more, learn more, dissect television that I love and um, yeah, exercise that creative muscle when I could. Spot on. Any final words of wisdom uh, for the audience here looking to, you know, navigate their way into this industry, whether it's behind the scenes or in front of the camera, are there any like principles that you would share? It's kind of in a lot of what you said, but uh, just in case there's anything you had that I don't want you thinking, oh, I should have said that before I got off of that interview. Well, I just think that we're in a in a time that feels so uh, pivotal to creation and creativity in creation, just because, you know, we're so much is changing. Like we're at such a, a crossroads in this industry. So I feel like the people who are going to come out on top are are thinking about the future. They're thinking about uh, the holes that are missing and that that's where you're going to thrive. I think for me, it was about seeing a hole um, in content and just taking YouTube and, and running with it while I could and trying to build an audience and using social media to do so. So just thinking about what's here during this time that you can use to, to excel and to get ahead of the game. All right. There you have it, the incomparable Issa Rae. Check out all four complete seasons of Insecure uh, today. Watch them all again. Um, get that free trial. Get that free trial. You know, go hard, sit on the couch, um, wind down insecurity. I appreciate you, Issa. Um, appreciate and, you. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Pete. Thank you so much for having me. What's up, everybody? This is Theo Travers, TV writer and currently executive producer on Billions on Showtime. And I'm glad you're listening to Let's Shoot with Pete Chat. All 
right, so that is a wrap on episode two with Issa Rae. I hope y'all enjoyed that. As with anything, film or TV related, or I don't care if you send them snail mail, um, there are a lot of people that are involved to make something come together. And I wanna give shouts to the team that have helped construct this. Obviously, um, that's my beautiful wife that you hear on the uh, narration, on the show intro, um, on the uh, company intro, on the book plug. Um, I want to shout out my man Tristan Nash, who helps to put these episodes together on the post-production tip. Jada George, who is instrumental as my assistant in helping to coordinate a lot of this. I definitely have to give a shout out to Vanessa and Alexis, the team over at AMPR, um, for the multiple emails back and forth, all in the interest of making this happen. And um, just want to say thank y'all to y'all and to the people who uh, have been picking up this director gear available at uh, drctr.video. Much love, much support, um, much thanks. I want to see what y'all look like wearing this on your set or moving through your life. So hit me up on Instagram at Pete Chapman and let me know. And I think that I want to get back to a, a thing I used to do in my uh, prior podcast with Anthony Artis, which was called The Double Down Film Show. We used to end it with lyrics to live by. And with everything going on in the world, I've, I've been, I'm a huge Tupac fan, but I've been diving back into the music because it feels like even though it was something written years ago, decades ago, it still seems to fit exactly to the times, which speaks to the fact that there are many things that still need to change. But he comes uh, with uh, what I think is a great verse. I'm going to take part of it. I have it on a denim jacket that uh, everybody asks me if they can buy off me. I have Tupac on the back and uh, I have part of this lyrical uh, bit on it. It goes, with all this extra stressing, the question I wonder is after death, after my last breath, when will I finally get to rest through this oppression? They punish the people that's asking questions and those that possess, still from the ones without possessions. The message I stress, to make it stop, study your lessons, don't settle for less. Even the genius asks his questions, be grateful for blessings. Don't ever change, keep your essence. The power is in the people and politics we address. So when you think about story, when you think about what you're gonna work on, Remember the importance of that, and I'm signing off. I'll see y'all for episode three. Much love, stay safe, and spread that love.